0: O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. What a wonderful thing it is to, to know that we have a God who hears us and a God who sees us. Literally. Is, is, can anything be better than that? Can you imagine anything greater than knowing that the Lord of all the universe, the one who created all things, hears you and sees you? Those are two things that are established very quickly in Genesis with um, Hagar and Ishmael's story and um, the Abraham story and everything that we read thereafter has to do with God hearing and seeing His creation, those created in His image. And He doesn't just hear and see. He cares and He answers what He hears and He responds to what He sees in compassion and love for those who are called according to him. But for those who are walk according to the flesh, those who are not walking according to him and walking with him, he sees them too and he hears them too. And then you see those acts of judgment <clears throat> executed against those who, who will not respond to their creator. In the first passage today we have here on Holy Saturday, April the third of 2021, um, What a what a day This is, it's to be bereft, to be confused, to to see everything that you have believed seem to go down in flames, to to have lost everything like Job did. He lost his entire family. He lost all his children. He lost all his possessions, and then he lost his health as well, and God allowed it all. Satan came before the Lord and, and said, yeah, hey, you think he loves you? i tell you what, take this away from him and see if he loves you. Take this away from him and see if he loves you. And, and God allowed that to happen, allowed Satan to do those things. He set parameters and limits around what he could do. But, but God allowed all that. And one of the things that, that, for me, stands out in the book of Job is is that, that it exposes the default theology of everybody, right? It exposes Job and his friends who are coming and accusing him of sin, um, that they all have the same default theology, and it's this thing that we need to get over. And that theology is the same thing that was in that John 9 passage with Jesus healing the man born blind when the disciples asked, who sinned, him or his parents, that this happened, and the Pharisees later said, "We know you were born in utter sin, and the proof is that he was blind." And in and, and Job, it's the the presumption that everybody has is there's something not right here. Um, Job's perception is, "I did everything right, therefore this shouldn't happen." And the friend's perception is, "You must have done something, or this wouldn't have happened." And that's our default theology, a sort of karma. No. Is God's answer. When he finally answers Job, the answer is, Job, if you weren't there from the beginning, if you don't know all these things that I'm laying before you about creation, there's no possible way you could understand why this happened, because this, this all happens from creation forward. Everything that's happened since then culminates in this moment in your life, and, and so there's no way to understand it, Job, and Job says... I, I've spoken of things too wonderful for me. He rests in God's omnipotence and His omniscience and His love, and he trusts God because he knew God heard him. God didn't answer him directly, but He he did answer him. He knew God heard and God had compassion, and he knew God was God and He was not. It's an important thing to know. (laughs) It's a really important thing to know that God is God and I'm not God, and therefore I can't understand any explanation for why bad things happen. All I can know is He is good and I trust Him, and then, in the grand scheme of things, this is not what I think it is at this moment. It doesn't mean you shouldn't go through that moment, it doesn't mean you shouldn't grieve, it doesn't mean you, your pain is less real. This life matters, and it matters immensely for the future and for eternity, and so we're called to be in this world, and that means we're called to be in a world of suffering and pain and hurt, and sometimes things are going to happen that that you didn't see coming, that just come completely out of the blue and, and change your life utterly and shape you in ways that you weren't shaped before. But the reality is I might have been misshapen before, and this might be something that's necessary to shape me back into the right form and the right frame. And Job is crying out for mercy to his friends because of the things that they've said to him. He said, "'The hand of God has touched me. Why do you, like God, pursue me? Why are you not satisfied with my flesh?' And then he cries out to God, "Oh, that my words were written, oh, that they might be inscribed in a book, or that a hand, or an iron pen and lead, that they were engraved in the rock forever." I know my redeemer lives, and at the last he'll stand on the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Job believed in the resurrection. Job believed that he would ultimately see him that he would see God, and that there was a Redeemer, one who would plead his case after his flesh was gone. And so he did. There is that Redeemer. Let's keep green song. <clears throat> there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. That's the one Job's looking for. this one who was also prepared before the foundation of the world as God reveals to Job. Just creation. Were you there when I formed these things? And and the, the comforting word here is Jesus was. He knows all things. He knows your pain. He knows every single bit of it. But where was Jesus this holy Saturday? Can you imagine being one of the disciples? You'd be as bereft as Job. Everything you believed. Crushed to pieces. Everything I believed was clearly just wrong. All my hope, all my dreams, everything, gone. And the corollary of that is, and then what will become of us? His disciples. Where do we go and what do we do without him? We believed that he was the Messiah. We believed that he was the Holy One of God. Everything we had was set on him. And he's gone, and it's the Sabbath. It's the day of rest, but I guarantee you, there was no rest for them. There was no rest. There was only fear. There were only questions. There were only doubts. There were probably recriminations as well. Peter, you're the one who said, "I don't know him." Three times. There's no telling what all was there, and there was there was this heavy sense of guilt that must have hung over that entire gathering. And who would atone for those sins? How would those sins now be dealt with? And so the day of rest was probably anything but for them. This Passover had not been the Passover they expected it to be. Nothing had gone the way they expected it to be. We don't have a gospel reading for today, actually. On Holy Saturday, it feels like there is no gospel. There is no good news. There's only death and the reality of death, and and they have to sit in that with all their fears. Everything gone. Everything you counted on, everything you believed in, taken away from you. What do you do with that? How do you live in that? Does life have any meaning? Does it have any purpose? How was I deceived? I I took too much for granted. And now, how do you construct a life and how do you go forward from there? And so, man, without resurrection, I have no earthly idea how to answer that question. Job waits and waits and waits. And he hears only condemnation spoken by those who call themselves friends because they they have this, what I call the default theology of all human being, which is there's got to be a one-to-one correlation between bad things happening to you and sin in your life. And like I said, Job pleads his own innocence. He's, he believes the same thing they do. It's no different. He just believes that I didn't do anything to deserve this. And the reality is you suck air on this planet and it's not a matter of deserving it's a matter of living in a world that's broken by sin now you can join in the morning of the world job rather than the belief in karmic theology and the good news is is actually preached in the romans passage so we'll we'll wait on the romans passage and we'll just quickly kind of look at the hebrews passage from hebrews 4 1 to 16 and it's all about rest the promise of entering his rest and the psalmist says we haven't entered into it yet it still awaits how to enter into the rest of god and that's what sabbath means and this is the sabbath day and um, rest is what they're supposed to do that day what does that rest look like and and what does that mean to rest on the Sabbath, you're resting from labors. You're resting by immersing yourself in Him. You're not just sleeping all day. That's not what it means, and everybody knows that. <clears throat> but, but God says He refused to give them rest because of their sins, but the finished work of Jesus allows us to have the rest of, of knowing that our sins have been dealt with, and, and we can come to that cross, and we can leave those there. God rested from His works, but it didn't mean that He stepped away from everything. No, He's keeping an eye on it. He's keeping an ear on it. And, and He's tending to His own creation all the time by attention to our prayers and attention to what we do. It's the offer of rest is for those who know the cross. And the power of the blood of Christ to cover all those things and that we can rest in the finished work of Christ on that cross and he's the one who told us it was finished there nobody understood that at the time but Jesus said it's finished you can have rest because you can have faith I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and <clears throat> she made the comment that she believes in miracles and and I thought back to Mark Twain, who was asked at one point, do you believe in infant baptism? And his response was, believe in it. I've seen it. Well, that's the way I feel about miracles. Believe in them. I've seen them too. And that's exactly what my friend said. I believe in these things because I've seen these things. And that's the, that's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth of the rest that you're invited to, to step into today is, is that he was resurrected from the dead, and, and many, many saw it in their eyes just as Job said he would. So there's this Sabbath rest that we're offered, and and we are offered that rest today. You can enter that rest very simply and very easily by, by coming to that cross, confessing your sins, laying them on Him, receiving His sacrifice on your behalf, and allowing His Spirit to be poured out in you. And that's the point of this, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so when we give account, we give account at the cross, and we give account knowing that Jesus intercedes for us and says, please forgive them. Satan's the accuser. Jesus is the one who pleads our case and says, I'll take it. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the punishment. He's one of mine. Forgive him. And the Father forgives because the Son laid down his life, finished the race, won the victory. He says, don't worry about, the writer of Hebrews says, don't worry about this whole thing. You're not coming to a priest who's judging you. You're, you're coming to a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, who held fast, our con- let us hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weakness. He's one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin and doesn't stand in judgment. He stands to intercede for us. So let's draw near the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. And that's exactly the message of the Romans 8 passages. That's there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's conviction of sin, but there's not condemnation because there's the cross. (laughs) And he says, Paul does to the Romans that the spirit of the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God's done what the law weakened by the flesh couldn't do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he says if you walk according to the Spirit, then that's the Spirit of life, and it's the Spirit of righteousness. And so you will have a different walk. You'll have a different life. You'll have a life like Peter had after the resurrection and after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You'll have strength. You'll have um, no fear. And when you're not in fear, you can rest. And so Paul calls us to this new life through the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, which dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so, so we can see him in a way that Job, even that righteous man, couldn't because he dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit's always groaning in intercession on your behalf, and He's always there ready to speak to you. And so we're invited to conversation with God constantly because He's not a God who judges us or or watches us from a distance, as the song says. No, He's near to you. He is in you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, He wants that intimate relationship with you in order that you can enter into his rest and remain there. That's the rest that's been offered to you. You are no longer to be bereft or without him. He is always there. If you were present to him, he is always present to you and for you. We need not go through another holy Saturday like the disciples went through. we can always access Him, we know, with certainty that what we believe is true and what we believe is life, and in that life there's hope, and it's not just this life, it's life eternal. And that's all any human being could ever want, is to know that there is an answer But ultimately, the answer to why is not the question. The why question can never be fully and completely answered or understood. We'll never know why in this life. What we do know is that there is life eternal. This ain't all there is. Praise be to God.